Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. Join me as we explore spirituality, sexuality, wellness, and the magical world around us. Hello, beautiful beings. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Light Within podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Draffin, and I am so excited to bring you today's episode. It is my first interview guest, and oh, we get deep, we get down, we get dirty, we talk about pleasure, sensuality. So I want to just give you guys a heads up that we do talk about some adult topics today. So if there are little ears around, you may want to pop in your headphones or just press pause and listen to this one when you're on your own. So how often do you stop and really take pleasure in the little things you do each and every day? I'll tell you, for me, it's not that often. I've really tried over the last six months or so to focus more on finding the pleasure in every little thing that I do. So in the foods I eat, the way that I move about the day, In my morning practices, I often do embodiment work. And through the quarantine, I've gotten to take a lot of classes virtually. I've gotten to listen to a lot of workshops about getting into the body, how dance helps us get into the body. But recently, in the last month, I took part in this amazing class at a studio in Austin called Minx and Muse. And I have to tell you a bit about it before we get started with today's guest. The class is called Intro to Esoeroticism. It's a made-up word that the owner of the studio, Crimson Minx, says she created herself. Esoeroticism is esoteric intention combined with erotic movement. During the series, we learned to feel more comfortable and embodied exploring soulful sexuality through transformative magic of sensual floor work. The studio is so cool. It has the best, neatest, like witchy vibe. And I felt so safe and held in the container of that studio. We were socially distanced. It was dark. There weren't any mirrors. And Crimson really talked us through feeling sensual in our own bodies for ourselves, not for anyone else. And I think that's really what pleasure is about, feeling it for yourself, not for your partner, not for other people to see you and think, oh, she's so sexy, but feeling it really within our own bodies and using pleasure as a way to heal ourselves, as a way to know ourselves, and as a way to really feel more alive each and every day. So like I said, today we're talking about pleasure. And my guest, Eleanor Jane, is a Melbourne-based feminine embodiment coach. She talks about some of the ways to help us get into our body in this episode, safety and how it's linked to us being able to feel pleasure, how we can find pleasure in everything, not just the things that happen maybe behind closed doors. She talks about working through sexual shame and some sexual soft trauma. And a bit of a trigger warning, she does speak about sexual trauma, so if that's something that has happened in your past and you feel might trigger some emotions for you, just be aware that that does come up in this conversation. 
Eleanor Jane also breaks down self-pleasure practices that are not goal-oriented. And y'all, this is one of the things that has really been a breakthrough for me, so you are going to love that part of the conversation. We talk about how making noise and really feeling into our voice can help us live our truth and ways to rid trauma from the body. So Eleanor Jane is a lawyer turned feminine embodiment coach specializing in movement as medicine, emotional alchemy, intuitive healing modalities, and feminine wisdom. Throughout her own personal journey through epilepsy, depression, and anxiety, endometriosis, and complex post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as her professional work within the mental health and legal industries, Eleanor believes that most, if not all, dis-ease in the world is due to an inherent disconnection from our true self. She believes that through returning home to the core essence of who we are in mind, body, and soul, we can not only heal ourselves, but that this healing then acts as a ripple effect to heal the world around us. Eleanor's passion is holding sacred space for women to be seen and heard in all of who they are. Her purpose in this life is to guide women back to their own inner wisdom and power and give them permission to claim all parts of themselves so that they can create their most aligned and fulfilled life, all while having as much fun as possible along the way. So it is my utmost pleasure to welcome Eleanor Jane to the Light Within podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. So the first question I would like to ask you is what ignites your light within? Mm, Amazing question. What ignites my light within? For me, it's anything that allows us to be in our full expression, whether that is, you know, I come from a background of law and I'm a coach. So I have these like, there's two parts of me. One is like this, okay, what ignites my light within getting, achieving, you know, gender equality, achieving, um, you know, working with anti-racism, racism causes, that kind of thing of like systematically let's derail things so that people can, people are safe to be themselves. And then in my personal coaching work, it's, Essentially, it's really the same thing, but from a different standpoint of how can we feel safe, completely safe to be ourselves, both within ourselves, um, both within our, you know, close knit communities and then in the world as a whole. Um, And so it's anything that comes back to that of like really like, I guess, helping other people ignite their own light within and be their full selves. Um, And a huge part of obviously of that is obviously me being my full self and finding that within myself as well. I love that. And so what's kind of led you to find your full self? What practices are you using to build up yourself so that you can give yourself in these two pretty different ways, but like you mentioned, a very similar goal? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really anything that brings me back to myself, which for me, the huge part of that has been embodiment work. Um, and I, I guess I'll just define embodiment work because a lot of people are like, what work? <laughs> um, I think of embodiment work as anything that brings you back into your body, like embodiment work. Um, and that might be breath work. It might be meditation. It might be 
having a huge dance party around the kitchen. It might be singing. It might be, you know, having a really deep conversation with someone that like lights you up inside. Um, all of these things like bring us back to, to the present moment and to our physical body and like the 3D of where we are. And that for me um, helps me really consistently come back to what is real for me, what is my truth, what is my opinion, um, what is my why, um, and helps me really come from that really centred and calm place as opposed to like the what does society want me to do, what does my client want me to do, what does my mum think I should do, all of these different pieces and helps me really come back to my centre and then work in whatever work that is from that centre. I love that. Yeah. I think embodiment is something that is hard to define in a lot of ways because we think we're in our body, obviously, because we're living this body, we're living this life. But I think it's really difficult to really mindfully get into it, especially Mm. with all the other stuff that's going on. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. It's And it's really hard to explain because it's something that you really need to experience, I feel, before you truly understand it. And I think for me, it comes back to, you know, we have these these different parts of our brain and mind that we develop over our, you know, our lifespan. And two of those brains, the reptilian brain and the emotional brain, are pre, um, they're pre-verbal. So they don't work through talking. They work through feeling and being. And so that's, they're the two bits that this embodiment work really deals with. And so you can't actually explain to someone what this work is because these parts of the brains don't understand words. You really have to like give someone an experiential experience of it. And then they're like, oh, suddenly everything's clicking into place. And I really understand it now. So how did you get into this work and kind of explain your two realms of work? Mm, Yeah. So I, yeah, I come from a fam, a whole extended family that are very um, overachieving people um, and excellent people in terms of what society tells us we should be doing, Um, like surgeons, engineers, Um, scientific researchers, mathematicians, all of these like very cerebral um, jobs. And so growing up, that was kind of my frame of reference of like, what, what success do I need? And how do I make that success feel good for me? And I started off by going into psychology and wanting to be a clinical psychologist, and then changed my mind um, and decided that I wanted to work in you know, mental health policy instead. So then studied law. Um, And for me, it was again, like all about like, what is the certificate that I can get? What is the, um, like the, the certification and the label that will then allow me to do what I feel like I'm actually here to do. Um, On the other side of my upbringing or not my upbringing, but my my childhood, I guess, and teenagehood, um, I experienced really severe mental illness from the age of, um, it was diagnosed at the age of 13, but I can't really ever remember not feeling that way. Um, I experienced 11 years of treatment resistant depression and anxiety, um, which was then kind of treated by finding a diagnosis of epilepsy that was kind of intertwined between the two. Um, 
I then went on to find myself in a sexually abusive um, relationship and developed complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And that was really the point. So in the start of 2017 was like my absolute rock bottom in that kind of way. And for me, the only way, particularly when you are going through trauma, the only way of um, coming out of that is to make yourself feel safe again. And it was this like this event had made this um, necessary for me that there was no other way other than to find a way of feeling safe again. Um, and then in the process of doing that and learning how to do that, what I really realized is that I had probably never felt safe in my body and not because of any external threat that I was under, but because I was so detached from my own body because I had all these emotions that I could never fix and I, it didn't seem feel safe to feel um, that I, you know, was having seizures every day without knowing what was happening, um, all of these different things, plus, you know, what society tells us of, you know, women don't wear short skirts, don't wear too much, like all these societal expectations that people put on women's bodies specifically, um, yeah, I really realized that I had never experienced feeling fully self safe in my body, in the world as exactly who I was. And so then that was my real journey of coming back to that, finding that, defining that, um, testing out all these different modalities to try and achieve that. Um, and that's when I really found embodiment work. And it was really you know, I said to someone the other day, embodiment work for me achieved what 15 years of therapy never could. Um, and that's, you know, how I found myself to where, where I am today. Um, and so I have these two different parts of me that are like the very cancer moon emotional part. Um, and this still very like cerebral, like, but I want to fix the system and, and change all these things like intellectually. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm still finding my way to be honest of how to meld the two and how to like bring them into my perfect like center point. Um, and yeah, it's a journey. I'm getting there. <laughs> oh man. Thank you so much for sharing all of that really quick. I want to ask you, what is your, so your cancer moon, what's your rising and your sun sign? I'm a Sagittarius sun. Cancer Moon, Taurus Rising. But I've also got a lot of Scorpio in my chart. Okay. That must be why we get we're 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 vibing because I'm a Taurus sun. Ah, amazing. <laughs> and I've got um a Leo rising and a Libra moon. Mm, makes perfect sense for the Leo rising that you're starting a podcast. How amazing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so what kind of practices are you really fond of or what kind of brought you to where you are now? Mm, yeah. So my introduction to embodiment work was, um, was probably breath work. Um, but to be honest, when I first started breath work, it, um, there are all these different types of breath work and the breath work that I first started with was quite a heavy type of breath work, which is absolutely amazing if that's what you're looking for. But for me, who, um, was coming from this place of, constant fight or flight response um it was not ideal for me <laughs> um that that specific type of breath work so that was my introduction and then within 
um, the kind of community that I was doing a lot of breath work in, um, I found embodied dance. So this, I was at a retreat in Bali um, a couple of years ago and this woman came in and guest facilitated embodied dance or an embodied movement workshop. Um, and I, it was like, it was the first time that I fully felt like fully present and like back home in my body than I had in like years. Um, I danced a lot growing up and I think that's part of why dance for me is really um, like a key practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was the first time because it's so gentle and it's it's whatever it means. It's You can do it however is right for you in the moment. So that was the really big one for me. Um, and But basically what I come back to is the three most effective ways of coming back into your body and moving energy around your body, a breath, sound and movement. So whatever feels good for you within those kind of those modalities, whether that's heavy breath work, whether that's a really light and gentle, just calming breathing style, whether that's, you know, just taking a pause at your desk at work and taking six really deep breaths, like that's enough. Um, And then the movement, whether that's exercising, whether that's dancing, whether that's, um, you know, stretching or yoga. And then the sound is like, do you sing? Do you, is it speaking things out loud? Is it simply just like taking a huge sigh and like letting that sound move things through your body? Um, Yeah. So they're the three things that I come back to. And every day I just kind of tune into like what's, what is moving through me and what would serve that the best? Like what would help move that the best? Mm, I love that. I've loved during quarantine, all those things, especially though, just screaming, like screaming it out sometimes or just like raw, like just really letting it roar doing a little bit of shaking because I feel like all the tension and all the bullshit that has been going on for now a year or more in some places in the world, Oh, just to get that out. And I will tell you, this morning was the first time I had ever actually taken a class with embodied dance as the main focal point. I'd done them Mm -hmm. online and I just kind of always was sort of in it, but not super into it. So when you're saying that was what kind of brought you in, oh, I was in a super juicy class this morning. So I finally get it. I finally feel like, okay, I get what everybody's talking about. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And and you're right. There's something, you know, through lockdown, having these online workshops and stuff was an absolute bloody lifesaver, I imagine, for anyone with internet access. But there's something about being somewhere in person and like feeding off the energy of one another and really like walking into that container, knowing that you're going to walk back out again. So it's like, this is it's contained. I can just let loose because then I'm, then I'm leaving again. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a whole, it allows you to go to a whole deeper level, whatever that looks like for you. Um, I'm so glad that you had that really juicy experience. Yeah, it was great. And it kind of leads me into what I want to talk about next. And it's sort of one of the things you do a lot with tapping into pleasure. Um, one of the things we were talking about in this class was just all the little things that bring you pleasure. And we actually connected through Rosie Rees's The Golden Yoni, which is also just about little pleasures everywhere. So talk a little bit about just how to tap into pleasure or what pleasure means for you. Mm, yeah. So I like to think of pleasure in two different two different ways. So there's like 
pleasure the way that we think about it, which is that good feeling of whether that's, you know, um, sexual pleasure, whether that's the little pleasures of like tapping into your sensuality while you're eating or, you know, just taking time outside to really take in like the beauty of nature, like those little pleasures, um, which, you know, is amazing. And I think that that is like, it comes back to gratitude in a lot of those things of like actually tapping into that placing you, like opening your heart and being like fruit, I almost swore. <laughs> I was like, but like, wow, like this is, this is my life. This is the world. And seeing those little like miracles everywhere around you. Um, the other way that I like to explain pleasure is someone said to me a few years ago now that they defined pleasure as any feeling fully felt. And I always explain it as like, think about that time where, you know, maybe you've had a really stressful day at work or someone said something that's hurt you, but at the time you haven't been in a position where you can, you know, actually feel that or actually, you know, cry or whatever. And so later that night or whatever, you might go home, you might either make space for yourselves, have a good cry to your friend or your partner or by yourself or maybe you put on like a really sad TV show. I always used to put on an episode of Grey's Anatomy if I was like, I really need to cry and it's not it's not coming through. Grey's will get me there. Yes. yes. Um, and so you put on the TV show, but that moment of when you actually like fully allow yourself to cry and like sob and just whatever the hell it looks like, how good that feeling feels, even though it's attached to this perceived negative emotion of sadness or hurt or pain, how good it actually feels to just let that emotion actually run itself through your body and be fully expressed. And, you know, it's the same with anger. It's the same with joy. I think our so often we we talk about needing to create space for people to feel negative emotions and like to take the self-judgment away from negative emotions. But our ability to feel negative emotions is directly in correlation with our ability to feel positive ones. So if you don't allow yourself to fully feel joy, excitement, hope, love, then you won't be able to allow yourself to fully feel the opposite end of the spectrum either because both of them uh, create the exact same amount of um energy within our bodies like the the amount of you know hormones running through our bodies and the energy that is being created with excitement is the same as panic Mm -hmm. um and so if you don't if if either one of those is something that you lean away from you're never going to be able to feel the other one either Mm -hmm. um so when I work with women I always remind them of this definition of pleasure of like how can you find the pleasure in allowing yourself to actually feel anything and just be fully present? And that's when, you know, our our energy actually opens up, all of our energy centres clear and that energy can run through. And so often then that actually turns into a really good feeling. Um, yeah, so they're, they're the kind of two things that I always really like to bring into it of, of pleasure as just any emotion fully expressed. And then also the pleasure of how can you, how can you allow those really nice feelings in? How can you allow that gratitude, that love, that sexual pleasure? And, you know, getting into sexual pleasure 
is a whole other level of how can we harness our sexual pleasure as women, as a creative force, as a life force, as a energy um, creation mechanism at any time of day or any state of, you know, exhaustion that's always there within us. Um, yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to talk more about the sexual pleasure in just a second, but I wanted to just say, I think what you said about any feeling fully felt, oh, it just hit me at home so hard because I went through a super traumatic divorce a couple of years ago. And only recently within the last couple of years, have I felt like I could feel both things because I felt for so long, I had to just be, you know, get your shit together. Like, don't cry about this every single day at work and sort of put up that wall that then all the good was kind of stuck somewhere else too. I couldn't feel that either. So I love what you said about having to feel both of the things and they come together. And if one is missing, the other is going to be missing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it like in that, so often the reason why we don't allow ourselves to actually fully feel whatever is there comes back to this element of safety again, that for whatever reason, we don't feel safe to feel that, whether that's we actually don't know what what's going to happen like how it's going to look how it's going to feel um or that we feel like if we allow it then it's never going to end um i think this is a huge one it was definitely a huge one for me when i was in that depression and anxiety that i was like well if i if i feel this it's just like going into this black hole that i never come out of like why would i do that <laughs> like um but and then you know all these messages that we're told that emotions are bad, they're weak, that, you know, they indicate that you're crazy or insane and can't be trusted. Um, and all of these things make us feel unsafe whenever we feel an emotion that we're going to get rejected, that we're never going to come out of it, that, you know, our body's going to, you know, combust with it or whatever. Um, and so really coming back to that core piece around actually feeling safe in your body is then kind of often the first step to actually allowing all those emotions back in. Mm, wow. And I think for a lot of people, and you've mentioned your own um, sexual trauma in the past, but even if you've just shamed yourself or been shamed by a partner, that can create, you know, a little bit of fear in your, in your body around sex. So can you talk more about how to work through some of that stuff? Mm, yeah. I think when it comes to sexual trauma, and I love that you just gave those examples that often when we say sexual trauma, we think, um, you know, someone was raped or someone was abused, yeah. like those, those severe end um, events. But there are so many little micro things that are no one's fault and they're not something um, you know, wrong happening necessarily, but can lead to someone being traumatized when it comes to their sexuality. Um, and whether that's, you know, just having really bad body shame and so feeling like you can't ever have sex naked or with the light on or whatever, and then that increases the shame around it. Whether it's, you know, a partner, particularly young partners, I feel when you're when you're still maybe a teenager in early adulthood and maybe a partner makes a joke about, you know, uh, why does it take you so long to orgasm? Like, oh lol, God, yeah. like is something wrong with you? Where in fact that's, you know, their shame showing up that they're probably feeling, why can't I do this? But on your end, it's like, oh, am I broken? Is there something wrong with me? And so all of these things can lead to us having 
various levels of um of shame of trauma reactions in our body of our body you know when it comes to sexual activity then or even our own you know sexual drive that our body experiences that fight or flight response because it's like I don't know what's going to happen I felt bad things in this area before um and I think when it comes to sexual stuff specifically with anything but even more so with sexual stuff that the first thing that you have to do is give yourself like the deepest level of compassion and acceptance of not, you know, trying to say, I shouldn't feel like this. This should be a different way. Um, You know, I just have to push through and, or I should be healing quicker. That was a huge one for me that I I went through a period of like, I'm I'm doing the things, why aren't I healing properly? Um, And really just coming back to that acceptance of like, this is what it is right now. It's not going to be like this forever. I'm not accepting that this is my fate, but I'm accepting that this is my present reality. And then not judging that, being like, that isn't good, that isn't bad. It just, it's simply the facts. Like that's where I am right now. And then that love of like, I, you know, think about like, figure out what it is that got you to this point, whether it is those micro things and just seeing those, acknowledging those, understanding those, or whether it was bigger things and seeing those, understanding those and acknowledging those. And really just giving yourself that compassion of like, it's understandable that this is where I'm at. It doesn't make me less worthy. It doesn't make me broken. Like I can still love myself for exactly where I'm at. Then the next step is 100% that safety. Um, And this might look like, you know, having really clear boundaries with partners. It might look like, you know, not having sexual partners for a while and really going into your own practice and your own um, journey with your own body. Um, It might look like, you know, actually not taking a break completely from any sexual goal. So not self-pleasuring with the goal of orgasm, which, you know, is something that all of us should practice anyway. But in particular, if you're not ready for that or if your body doesn't feel safe in that, being like, okay, I'm just going to give myself permission to have a self-pleasure practice. But that self-pleasure practice might look like once a week, I set aside an hour, I have a really nice hot bath with some oils and candles. And then I get out and I just spend 10 minutes like lovingly moisturizing my entire body. And that's it. And then you can move up to, okay, I'm going to introduce some really, you know, nice self-touch just on my, you know, on not even going near my sexual parts, you know, your breasts or your, or your yoni. Um, And then it might be, okay, I'm going to work with breast massage. I'm going to work with just a yoni egg of just increasing that sensitivity and getting used to having something inside me again. And really just removing all expectations of what we should be doing and coming back to the what does what is actually right for my body right now what is the level that I can safely take myself to whilst remaining calm um and then naturally from there I think it's your your path will show itself to you because from doing that from like and I think it comes back to really making that radical choice to choose yourself of like away from the expectations, away from the partner or or the the sexual partners and really just being like I radically decide to care for my own safety and care for myself. And once you make that choice, like 
the tools and the modalities and the, you know, the reflections will all just like so naturally unravel. Um, and eventually you'll find yourself this completely sexually expressed, amazing, orgasmic woman. <laughs> or man. Yes. Oh my God. I love that you mentioned the part about having no goals because I think that brings so much shame. I know it has shamed me when it's like, I can't even turn myself on and make myself have an orgasm. How am I going to expect anybody else to do it? And that is something I've had to really try my hardest. And I still struggle with, with going into either my self-pleasure situations or with my husband and just being like, okay, I'm not attached to what's going to happen. And that shit is hard. And it feels, you know, nasty sometimes when you have to really get down and like say to yourself, okay, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It feels, you know, that grittiness, it feels just, ugh. but once you get over the hump of that, I know it feels much better, but oh, that is something I still struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I've been the same even, um, actually, if you don't mind, I might, I might tell a little bit of a story of something for like it. my own practice the other day. So I was, for anyone who doesn't know, when you're in your ovulation phase, so basically the middle of your menstrual cycle, your sex drive is at its highest, which is like really an evolutionary thing of that's when we're we're capable of making babies so that's when our bodies want us to have sex (laughs) um so I was ovulating and I'd gotten home from work and I literally was just like do you know what I just really want to have an orgasm so went in to my bedroom started you know having my self-pleasure practice and I started getting because I had this goal. My goal was to have an orgasm. I was like, I'm turned on. This is what I want. I've had this busy day at work, whatever. And it just wasn't working. And so I was getting frustrated. I then, you know, got to this point that I part of me was like, just screw this. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to go like do something else, whatever. And then I took a deep breath and I was like, actually, you're doing exactly what you tell people not to do, <laughs> embody your freaking message. <laughs> um, and I sat there and I took a few deep breaths and I said, I surrender this feeling to the universe and I just allow this to be whatever it needs to be. Mm. And what happened over the next probably 20 minutes to half an hour is I went through every single emotion under the sun. I felt like extreme rage, extreme grief, um, extreme gratitude, extreme, you know, ecstasy and pleasure and like all of them and just like constantly like cycling and moving between all of them. Um, And it was the most incredible experience that I have had to date probably in within, you know, my own practices And it actually, like the result of it was I ended up, there's this part of my, you know, past trauma that I I have still really struggled to like, intellectually, I can piece it together, but it's never fully dropped into my body and it's, it keeps coming back. And at the end of this session, it like, it was literally like I could feel it drop from my mind down into my body and everything just like clicked and was like, cool, you're done with that part. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's in now. And I finished and I was like, holy, holy shamoli, like what the hell just happened firstly, but also if I had stopped 
when I was like, oh, screw this, I'm not having an orgasm, that's the only goal that I had, that whole experience wouldn't have happened. And this is something that I've been working on trying to bring down into my body for like years. And it just, it was that simple. I didn't even try to do it. And that's like, that's where the magic is. Like if you really just let go of the goal and it's just like, I'm just here for whatever this, you know, either self-pleasure practice, whatever this, you know, um, lovemaking session with my partner, whatever it is, I am just here for whatever this is meant to be. Then like things will just everything will shift for you. Like your whole life will change. Here for the pleasure versus here for the destination, the journey versus the destination. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. So I guess we've talked about a whole lot of things and I'll give you sort of the the last kind of say, what else do you want to share that I haven't asked you about or, or what else do you feel called to really get out there? Mm. I would actually love to touch on something that you mentioned before, um, but then we moved into something else. What you were saying about um, really allowing yourself to scream and like vocalize and particularly, as you said, around everything that's happened over the past year or so, like in in every facet of society, like (laughs) there's just been so much happened. And I think particularly now people are feeling so um, frustrated and, you know, suppressed in different ways, whether that's purely because you want to go see your friend and you can't or whether it's suppression in other ways. And I love that you've lent into actually vocalising things, actually making sound, actually allowing yourself to do that. And using your voice is actually one of the things that most women I work with struggle the most with because I think it's using your voice, particularly in a way that is not just, you know, saying nice words or singing nicely or whatever, using your voice in just like a raw and real way is literally what women are told they should never do, that we're told that we should look nice but stay silent, that we're told that, you know, um, if we get angry or if we get, you know, upset and if we voice that, then we're, you know, being hysterical or being attention-seeking. There's all these things. There is nothing in society that says, hey, woman, or even men, like in a lot of ways as well, just speak your truth, be angry, do this. And it feels like, you know, often like the limiting belief that comes up with women women I work with is I'm scared that my next-door neighbour is going to hear you, hear me. And I'm like, I feel that. I still get that feeling. (laughs) Um, But also I like if you can lean into that, if you can lean into making sound on any level, you know, that's it's just going to unlock your voice in so many different ways. And, And by voice, I mean like your truth, your opinion, your ability to actually live that truth throughout your life. Um, And so I really encourage women to just, try lean into that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, primal screaming and yelling. If you're not comfortable with that yet, if you want to try it and you're scared about your neighbors healing, hearing you do it while you're driving. That's usually when I do it. (laughs) Um, And 
but even yeah right put on some music and just like scream because even if the next if the next card does hear you like they're gone who cares <laughs> um but even just you know taking a deep breath and releasing just a sigh on the exhale and just feel like feel the release that 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 brings both in your throat and your vocal cords but also you know our vocal cords are tied to our yoni um and so feel yeah if you're having trouble orgasming make noise actually vocalize it doesn't have to look like a porn star make the like the noise that wants to naturally come through you but just yeah I guess my challenge to anyone listening to this is just today try and make that tiny bit of noise and just notice notice how it feels for you and I love that you just connected our vocal cords to our yoni because I was going to throw that out there as well and and say that one of the most powerful self-pleasure sessions that I have had in the past 12 months was making noise. I had to be home by myself. I had to make sure the dogs weren't barking. They were kicked outside. I had the music up loud in headphones so that I didn't have this outside anything messing with me and just making noise where I couldn't hear myself, but I knew I was doing it because I could feel the vibrations and brought me so much pleasure that I never would have thought of before. And I also feel wholeheartedly what you were saying about when you're in these self-pleasure situations and you bring something down to kind of work through from your past or the stories you tell yourself and you really can feel it in through your body that sound is just something that I feel is so impactful in that. Um, and I just wanted to know if you wanted to speak at all about when you, when we do hold trauma in our body, because you know, the body keeps the score. There's a book by that name and it's something I'm learning. Somebody can say something about what you're looking like in that outfit or how you did on that project. And then you keep it inside and it stores inside parts of your body. And I find a lot of that shit gets stored in your yoni. And then it yeah. sort of makes it blocked off, at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, depending on you individually, we all have tendencies of where where trauma likes to hold itself. Um, and some people, women in general, I feel like that that yoni, that um whole like pelvic area like your hip joints all of that area we hold so much um but also know that if someone's listening to this and you're like actually I don't feel like that's the case for me I feel like I hold it you know in in my sacral more or whatever know that whatever it is 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 perfect for you but yeah it's if you look at you know animals in the wild for example if something happens to them whether it's you know that a you know, a dog accidentally steps on a thorn or um, or a lion attacks a gazelle or something and the gazelle manages to get away. You see this reaction of this thing has just happened to me, this trauma has just happened to me, and now in the moment I am going to move that trauma through to me. And quite most often in animals it looks like shaking, which is another really powerful practice that we can do as well. Um, but, you know, it can look a whole all of these different ways but it's this um idea that they move through trauma as soon as it happens to them yeah um whereas humans 
because of all these, how our society is formed, that it's not appropriate for us to actually move through the trauma when it's happening. And also in a lot of circumstances that may actually put you in more danger at the time. If someone's actively bullying you when you're, you know, in grade four or something, for you to move through that in the moment is likely going to end up with more bullying. Mm-hmm. Um so it is understandable, but we need to understand that that's, that's what happens. And so all of those things that, you know, memories get stored in different parts of our bodies. And, you know, just like we have muscle memories in terms of, um, you know, doing weights and stuff in the gym or learning how to dance or, or play violin, for example, we have muscle memories for our traumas as well. And the more emotional the reaction is at the time of the trauma, the more strongly that is going to be deeply ingrained into your body and into your brain in terms of like the neural pathways. Um, And I think for me, like, again, it comes back to two parts of like one understanding and then two embodiment. So the understanding is actually understanding that this is what happens. This is, um, you know, it's very established in research now. It's no longer like this lofty idea um, that trauma is stored in your body. And again, coming back to that compassion of if you have been through something, whether it's something that is objectively bad or objectively was a very small event, If it traumatized you, if it's continuing to come up in your mind to trigger you that you keep thinking about it, know that that's really understandable. And in the extreme, that your body actually may be dealing with a whole bunch of things really differently because of that. So having that understanding and that compassion and then knowing how to deal with it. And, you know, if you've been through a huge trauma, I would definitely recommend not trying to move through it by yourself, to move through it, find a therapist, a coach, um, whatever it is. Even if you've got a friend who's who does a lot of embodiment work and can kind of hold space for you, but to have that really safe container with someone else. Um, if you feel safe doing it by yourself, exactly what you said, just going into practices with the intention um, of, you know, saying, I, you know, set the intention of this memory from when I was 10 keeps coming up about like when this kid didn't invite me to their birthday party. So going into it with the intention of I'm just going to allow whatever needs to happen in order for that to start processing. Mm. And it might be that you think about that, that circumstance, you breathe into it, you allow those emotions to come up. Or if that's not really working, just simply being like, okay, I'm going to find a, you know, guided movement practice or I'm going to find a guided breathwork journey um, and just set the intention at the start that this is what my goal is or this is what my intention is um, and then just allowing whatever needs to happen to happen. And it may, you know, again, understanding that it will likely take more than with a lot of things will likely take more than one kind of process um, to actually heal, heal that you might need to come back to it later. You might need to come back to it in five years because a a deeper level shows itself, whatever it is, but just being kind with yourself. If, if one session doesn't completely shift it out of your body. I love that. And you yourself mentioned, you know, working with someone, how can folks find you? Um, where are you sharing your, your work, your light? 
Yeah. So Instagram is the best place to find me at the moment. So my handle is at eleanorjane.x. Um, or you can shoot me through an email. If you don't have Instagram, the email is info at eleanorjane.com.au. And I will put all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing with me all of this goodness, this juiciness. And I really just appreciate being able to talk across the planet. Yes. Oh my God. Another amazing thing to come out of lockdown is all of these amazing conversations. Thank you so much for having me, gorgeous. Thank you. Wow. That was such a juicy, amazing episode. I loved it. I hope you loved it as well. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Light Within Podcast. Remember, you can always reach out on Instagram at the Light Within Podcast or email me at the Light Within Podcast at gmail.com. You can find my personal Instagram at Leslie Draffin, and we're also on Facebook. And of course, I'll put all of those links as well as Eleanor Jane's links in the show notes. Again, thanks so much for joining me for this episode all about pleasure. And remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time.